0: Tom Chick, you are listening to the Quarter to Three Games podcast. I am here today with Sean Pizzuto, who posts as Forge Forsaken, and who wants to talk about Chrome Hounds. Uh, Sean, hello, and thank you for uh, hanging out with me today.
1: Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, first of all, I want to ask because everybody knows you as Forge Forsaken. uh, What on earth does that mean? Because, and let me just say real quick, I think of there's there's a part in Dragon Age. Where you come upon uh, uh, an artifact called the Anvil of the Void, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that that sort of sounds like a Forsaken Forge. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, it, uh, it it doesn't have any exact meaning. I kind of came up with it way back um, in the college days when I needed a handle for something. For um, the D character, right? Uh, no, no, it was it was just online posting, um, okay. and I I was kind of going for um, kind of like a dark, edgy. Uh, sci-fi bad serial name, kind of like a Flash Gordon kind of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it does it does work well with D&D, and I, I do like the way the words play together in that. You know, forsaken kind of only has one meaning, but Forge, you can mean a bunch of different things depending on the context. It's one of those words that can have sort of radically different meanings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of, I, at the time, I liked it for those reasons, and it's just I've always stuck with it since then.
0: I have to say, uh, you've been on the forum for for so long, and I'm so used to seeing it, that any sense of darkness or edginess is lost for me. Uh, I think, (laughs) oh, that's that guy. I know him. (laughs) Uh, So before we talk about the game you want to talk about, which uh, I'm I'm dying to hear why on earth you would want to – well, we'll get to that. Uh, So you are out in New England. You're a guy from uh, Massachusetts, the Boston area. Yep. Uh, Can I ask what you do for a living?
1: Uh, I'm an IT professional. Um so right now what I, I uh, do is I manage uh networks uh and security systems, so firewalls, switches, routers, things along that nature. So you would probably
0: make one heck of a hacker? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh now being an IT guy, uh, do you build your own PCs? Uh I go
1: through phases. Uh I do have a my current PC is home built. Uh and I, for a long time that was the only way I did it. I eventually I got fed up. I uh, did buy a Dell for a while. That was my previous PC. Yep. And um, I kind of went back to building my own for this one.
0: Uh, so I did the same thing as you, Sean. I, I just got—I've always built PCs, and there was one point where I was just so fed up with it, and I was just like, you know what? Screw this! I'm going to get a Dell, and and I did, but I couldn't leave it alone. And so I, yeah. I think, yeah, I'm always rolling up my sleeves and messing around with stuff. Uh, do you use your PC for gaming much? And I ask because uh, we're talking about a console game today. Yep. Uh, I know I see you on my Xbox Live friends list a lot. Uh, you obviously play a lot of console games. Has your PC gaming suffered much? Uh,
1: I don't play on the PC as much as I used to. I used to really be a, uh, a PC snob, kind of back for for a while and kind of had you know looked my nose down at the consoles, uh, which is weird because I did start gaming on the consoles, like way back, you know, going back to, all the way to like the Ataris and then like Genesis. Uh, then I really got into PC gaming and I kind of missed out on like the PlayStation era and the Nintendo 64s and that kind of stuff. Um, but now I am kind of swinging back towards the consoles. I find it a bit simpler. And, you know, be, being in IT, yeah, you do all this tech stuff, but you kind of get sick of fiddling around
0: a little bit. So it's just oh, like I can just, imagine. I just want to put something in and play. So, Right, right. Uh, so a, a couple questions. What game got you into PC gaming? And then you mentioned you were fairly late to come to, to consoles, like I guess around the PS2 generation or something what game sort of uh converted you over to getting a console system?
1: Uh oh get, getting into the PCs. That's I trying to think which one it would be. Uh, and I should
0: I should warn you Sean this might date you. <laughs> By the way, like when I talk about the game that got me into PC games like yeah, it's it's the so, first one I saw was uh, Spellcross an old text game and so I think that makes that makes it clear I'm like in my 40s. So this might yeah. age. I'm just warning you. Uh
1: I'd, I'd say probably, you know, I don't, I don't know if you can count it as a PC game, but like a computer game, I'd almost go back to like, uh, Texas Instruments, if you remember that. Whoa. Uh, uh but, uh, Tunnels of Doom was, uh, kind of a PC, very PC style game. you know RPG. Holy cats, I
0: have no idea what that is. You've, <laughs> you've out obscured me. What's uh, Tunnels of Doom?
1: Tunnels it's, it's a great little, um uh, Old school kind of RPG. You're just kind of going down through a, a series of levels of a dungeon. It's a dungeon crawler. Oh yeah. And uh, you could play it as either a party uh, where you had uh, up to four characters, and they they, they conform to the basic classes. You know, you had your fighter, rogue, and mage. Um, and or you could play it as a, a single character, uh, where you could play, which was a hero class, and they had uh, the ability of all the other subclasses, but it was only one character. And uh, I played from a first person point of view up until you got into combat where it went overhead and it and was had, a strategy.
0: Did someone show this to you? Did you see it in a store? How does uh young- You
1: know I don't even remember how I got it. Okay. Uh, but uh, and it was one is you know to, to really date myself it was one of those games uh it, you know that it didn't have a floppy disk it actually used the cassette drives. Yes, wow, yes. Uh, <laughs> So you had to load that in. So that was, you know, that that was probably the first PC esque game. You know, and again, I did have like I, I had the console and the PC kind of thing for a little bit, uh, and then I very went you know heavy like Genesis for a while, that kind of era. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I went to college, I'd say probably is when I really got into the the PC style uh, PC side mostly. Um, I didn't even have a, a good PC my uh, my freshman year. I, I ended up playing a majority time on either. Uh, my roommates or, you know, like someone else in the dorm had a, a really good PC, so you'd go play on their system. Um, but things like, you know, Eye of the Beholder, um, I remember a lot, uh, Star Control, uh, Star Control 2 being just one of my favorites.
0: Yeah. Uh, now, the thing is, even when I say PC, I'm even thinking back to, I think, more of that in opposition to consoles, because I yeah. didn't have an actual PC for years. I was one of those poor guys stuck with an Apple II and whatever yep. games came out for that.
1: Yeah, I didn't have an Apple uh, Apple II, but I had friends in, that had that, and I would actually go over their house, and we would kind of play games like Might uh, Magic. We'd play them like, kind of cooperatively, even though it wasn't a cooperative game where like someone would own half the party decisions. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> now, when did you uh, decide to get a console system? Was it a, a PlayStation 2? Was it in that era at some point? You're like, I got to get one of those.
1: Uh yeah I ended up I got I got a PlayStation 2 really late in its life I I got a GameCube I think on launch day, um and I don't remember exactly why uh, I ended up getting the the GameCube on on launch day but I
0: did. Mm-hmm. Uh and so what what I never had an Xbox the first one. Oh you just skipped that whole thing and went I straight skipped to the, the whole 360? Xbox one which
1: is kind of funny because I do the majority of my gaming today on the 360.
0: How could you have skipped the Xbox? weren't there like all these people talking about it and games you wanted to, like hang yeah, I don't like I don't know. I think I
1: might have my my I think that might have been some of my PC snobness still where like the GameCube and the PlayStation 2 were providing really different experiences than the PC for the most part for some of their games that were popular on them and the Xbox like its biggest game was a first person shooter, right? And I'm like, ah, mouse keyboard, what are you crazy people doing playing
0: a first person shooter with a controller? That did make it easier to kind of hold out, didn't it? Uh, yeah. Now, you had a GameCube, so I'm assuming uh, you had you seen... Uh, oh, you know what? What system was Perfect Dark on? Because that... Wasn't that the Nintendo 64, I think. Okay. And GoldenEye. I like guess that... Yeah. If you hadn't played GoldenEye, uh, then it was a lot easier to write off Halo and people saying, yeah, it actually works on a console system. So I guess if you missed that, it was easier to probably hold out longer. Uh, now, that's not the case with you today. Today... When you buy a shooter, uh, you, Sean, uh, that's available on the PC or the Xbox 360, are you inclined to lean one way or the other? Uh, I do tend to buy it on the 360. Wow, you've betrayed the PC. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and are you playing any shooters these days on your 360? Uh,
1: I, uh, yeah, I'm st- I'm still tinkering around a little bit with uh, Borderlands, and um, I got uh, Modern Warfare 2 for uh, the multiplayer stuff mostly.
0: Uh, have you? So I'm assuming you haven't seen Borderlands or Modern Warfare 2 then on the PC. No. Okay. I hear that we got lucky. I also only played Borderlands on the 360. That that sounds like just from the people on the forum, like that was a pretty terrible PC port.
1: Yeah, that's the impression I got. At least from the interface point of view.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and do you still play things like for somebody who comes from uh, what sounds like it was a hardcore dungeon hack? Do you still play RPGs?
1: Yeah, I'm playing uh, Dragon Age right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm playing that on the PC.
0: Ah, well, now why would you do that instead of the 360? Uh, well, you it, know what? I think I have a theory, but go ahead. I'm curious. It,
1: it definitely seems like the way to play that uh, game. Plus, it's uh, more single player focused as opposed to being uh, multiplayer. Right. And uh, it definitely it has that um, kind of isometric view you can pull out over too.
0: Yeah, you know what, I keep forgetting about that because I played through on the 360 and I, I, I haven't even seen it on the PC, but when I see like YouTube videos or hear people talking about it on the PC, I'm instantly jealous of that isometric yeah. view and how much, how the combat is much more tactical. So yeah, I forgot it had that, that huge advantage. Uh, what uh, what origin story did you start with?
1: Uh, Daily Shelf.
0: Ah, interesting. That's what I did. Uh, have you gotten into where it, uh, Moves where it opens out laterally and lets you go to different places yet? Are you still Yeah,
1: I've, uh, I've done, uh, Redcliffe, um, the, the Mage Tower, um, the Dalish Camp, and, uh, I'm in Ozamar
0: now. And, uh, did you help or the elves or the werewolves? Uh, the werewolves. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You're an elf! Why would you help the werewolves? Yeah, uh, it, that just made sense to me. <laughs> Okay, you're a race trader. I I hope you're happy. (laughs) Uh, So today you want to talk about a really old game that is about to be shut down forever, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Uh, For all intents and purposes, yeah.
0: And it has a, a terrible name that nobody would associate. No one would be able to look at this name and tell what kind of game it is. There's an argument to be made that it's multiplayer only and never... Uh, had a very much of a thriving community so why on earth do you want to talk about chrome hounds
1: uh well i i think it's a uh i think it's kind of one of those great flawed games um it's kind of a it's rather unique uh being a mech game uh especially in this day and age you know i don't think it's dead the the mech genre but it's kind of more niche than it uh than it even used to be Mm -hmm. and um I think they kind of did a lot of really interesting things with it. Uh, it's kind of funny. The way I, I kind of came about thinking about it again was um, Modern Warfare 2, of all things, uh, got me thinking about uh, Chromehounds again where they had the uh, party chat disabled, right. if, you, if you remember that. And that I was kind of like, oh, that's terrible. Like, How could anyone disable party chat? That's That was the best thing ever that they added to the Xbox. And I started thinking about it. And it, then I thought about Chrome Hounds and Chrome Hounds, a lot of the, there's like a whole gameplay component. I don't know if I want to jump ahead to that yet, but it's very communication based, and party chat kind of almost ruins that part of Chrome Hounds. So I'm like, that's a game where it would totally make sense to disable party chat. And so the whole idea that you know some companies can disable party chat, I'm like, okay, that makes sense to me now. I've come around on that idea that that's a good thing to let developers do.
0: So so party chat is disabled in Modern Warfare and in Chromehounds, you're saying? No,
1: no, it's not actually in Chromehounds. I don't think it, because uh, Chromehounds existed pre-party chat, so they never had the, uh, I don't think they ever patched it in to disable it.
0: And party chat meaning that people can set up their own communication channels independent of the game yeah. and talk outside of the game. So do you know offhand, why is it disabled in Modern Warfare 2? What is their rationale?
1: I think it's to, to prevent cheaters so, uh, or to people gaming the system where pe- one person would be on the other team uh, and they could uh, tell people from the party what was going, going on on the other team.
0: And so in, in Chrome Hounds, this matters why? Because communication is built into the gameplay?
1: Right. So so the way Chrome Hounds uh, uh, works uh, from a multiplayer point of view is there's this whole uh, system this uh, this metagame on top of the game where there's, it's a pers- persistent world, and you're fighting these battles. But on the actual gameplay side, when you go to the map, uh, there, the communication, you can only communicate with the other people playing if they're within uh, the radius of a communication zone. Mm-hmm. So, you, so you can actually outfit a hound, and it's, we're jumping way ahead to some stuff that's may not make sense. Um, but you can some, you can actually choose to outfit and how. You can have a commander type, and anyone who's near the commander can talk, and everybody can hear them. If you wander outside of the range of the commander, you're no longer in communication range, so you can't talk to any of the other people playing. But on the map, there are these uh, communication towers that you can capture that extend the range of the commander, and as long as you're within one of those communication ranges, you can talk. So it becomes part of the whole strategy of the game is that you want to actually go out and capture these, not only because they're worth points, because it allows you to communicate with the other people on the team. And if you use them party chat, you lose the whole incentive to go out and capture these communication towers to some degree.
0: So when you play Chromehounds now, I can you use party chat? Yeah, you can. Oh, that sucks. Yes. <laughs> now, uh, so, but there are in-game ways to disable party chat. They just haven't done that in Chromehounds.
1: Right, and I think that a lot of that it would, would have been something they would have had to add in a patch and... It's you know the game's end of life essentially right they're they're pretty much they're shutting off the online servers for it so you can see how they've kind of abandoned the game and uh, just not gonna, something I wouldn't expect them to do at this point.
0: I can't imagine Sega not providing great post-release <laughs> support. That just boggles my mind. It's uh, always
1: weird to me that the get that game is even published by Sega. It
0: really is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, when I was so I, just real quick to let you know I I had a very brief, very furious love affair with Chrome Hounds when I reviewed it way back when. But still, a lot of this is murky. You just describing the, the communications, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, what One of the things that surprised me when I uh, was going back looking at my notes, it's it's From Software, the guys yep. that did Demon's Souls and the Armored Cores games. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you do I, So uh, I want to get back into Chrome Hounds in a second, but have you played Demon's Souls?
1: No, I haven't. I don't have a, a, PlayStation, a PlayStation 3 as of yet, uh, but it does sound like something I think I would enjoy.
0: Well, From Software makes... Really bold, daring choices, and Chrome Hounds, Demon's Souls is an example of that, and I'm remembering now that, yes, Chrome Hounds is as well, and yep. some of these choices might alienate players and limit their player base. You talking about communication, my first reaction is that is an awesome idea, but I can see how that might be annoying to people, and I can see how somebody who might want to just play Halo or whatever uh, might not get into... I mean, I. mean, do you think that limits their player base? I guess is what I'm getting to. Does, does that decision, uh, even though you probably think it's cool, do you think it hurt the game?
1: Uh, uh, from a success point of view, possibly. I think it. I think it makes the game better, so I don't think it hurts the game that way. But from a sales point of view, yeah, I think it, it, there is possibly some damage that they're doing there. Um, and they definitely make those type of decisions all through the game. Like, you know, just another example of that. Um, is that w- when you're playing the core game, which is this, uh, which is that war, that persistent war that's going on, there's no, uh, friend or foe indicator.
0: Ah, right. I remember that too.
1: <laughs> right. So, and, and it's that, when you're actually, you can play, there's like a free-for-all mode too, which has all the kind of the classic modes like CTF and deathmatch. And when you're playing that, that has friend or foe where it actually shows the person's gamertag and everything. But it's when you're playing the, the core game, like the real, what I would argue is the real game, that they turn off that friend or foe. So and that, you know that's kind of annoying, but at the same time it led to a lot of really cool stuff. Like you'd be playing a, uh, a nighttime mission, and you know you get into you'd be in a sector, and you weren't sure if that mech you were looking at was a friend, and you'd get, you'd call out to them to like flash their lights, and they would you know the other guy would flash their lights or they wouldn't flash their lights, and you'd be able to identify them that way. And then, as we played on, we, you know, as as a group, as a squad, we started doing things where you would paint your your hounds a certain way. So instead of just even the the paint job, we would do things like we'd pick one part of the paint job and we'd paint it lime green. So every one of our hounds would have just like one little part that was lime green on it that we could quickly identify if they were on our team or not.
0: That's awesome. That's like uh, the allies painting those black and white stripes on their planes during D Day or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh did you so you must have obviously uh played a lot online there there was no real single player was there there was kind of a training thing and uh it had some mild like you couldn't add bots could you there were missions if i'm not mistaken
1: yeah there were mission based i don't think they i don't think there was any bot based and, and even the way it was laid out it was very much laid out like a tutorial like there was some story over it but the way the the structure of it it wasn't even like a, an overall story it was you picked the type of mech that you were going to play um, or the role that you were going to play, and there was like a, a set of missions for that role. So you would say, I want to do the the soldier role, and there was a set of missions to teach you how to play the soldier role, or like, I want to do the commander role, and all the missions were broken out like that. So it's, it was very much really just a tutorial for the online game.
0: And so once you did that, there was nothing to do really but, but go online. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, I didn't even finish the single-player stuff. I think I only uh, finished uh, three of the role types of the six.
0: Now, when you went online... Uh were you playing one specific role or would you jump around to different roles?
1: I, I jumped around to a bunch of different stuff. Mostly um, either like a sniper uh, class I kind of enjoyed or uh, they had a, this class called the defender and they also have a soldier class and I really to this day I can't tell you what the difference is between the two of them um, from a gameplay point of view. Uh, so I would kind of play something like a, a soldier hybrid uh, or occasionally if we didn't have somebody playing a commander class I would play the commander.
0: Well, now, if I recall correctly, too, there wasn't a hard and fast distinction between these classes. Wasn't there a, a kind of graph that showed whether or not you emphasized, I think it was like defense or offense and speed, mobility. uh Like, it, it was highly customizable, wasn't it? You could sort of create whatever class you wanted. All
1: yeah, you built, I mean, you built your whole, and it probably has the most robust mech editor I, I think I've seen in a, in a game. Uh, it, like you built your whole hound from the ground up and then it kind of said, Oh, this is a scout based on like the parts that you used. So, uh,
0: did you, uh, so what, when you describe that, when I think back to the customization, it reminds me of, and this is going to sound silly, but it reminds me a little bit of a game called Banjo Kazooie. You Nuts- know,
1: I, I, I was actually going to say that if you didn't.
0: <laughs> awesome. Uh, so, uh, tell me a bit about the customization stuff. What, uh, what? How much did you get into that? Did you do a lot of funky builds? Uh, what, not, like
1: not, Nothing too crazy. Uh, I, I did really get into it. And I think that's what, one of the things they also did in this game um, is they had your squad was a party. So it was like before party chat, they had this built-in party. So when you were all online, you could actually be in the uh, the editor while talking to everybody else that was online in the editor within your squad. Um, so that was I think a really cool thing. So you could be building your hound while talking to other people and getting advice on how they built their hounds. Uh, but as you said, it is a lot like, uh, Banjo-Kazooie in that you, you picked, uh, you really built your, your, your mech or hound from the ground up. You picked the legs, you picked the cockpit, you picked the generator. Um, the radiator you like your optical parts if you're using you know uh, night vision or th- uh, thermographics, so it was really really fine tuning like you actually could rotate certain parts and use um, spacer parts to position everything oh,
0: that 's right, yeah,
1: so it really got into you you had a lot of power to do uh to to really create this thing, and even beyond that um like you you and I could take the exact same parts and we could build. Uh, mechs that functioned pretty radically differently, right? where uh, weapon positioning uh, was was really important in that game to the point where even you know if you if you were OCD and you had to like be symmetric, right, and you put a gun on each side, you're going to have a, a wider firing range than somebody that took and clustered all their guns on one side, and and you could even get into like fine detail of rotating the barrels, and then the order you place those guns in uh, in the firing arc uh, would control. How tight or wide that firing spread was on those guns.
0: God, that is hardcore physics sim stuff. It like, really
1: is. It's, it's really surprising, being I think to some degree on a console.
0: Does that does that ruin it? Like I think back to the Mech Warrior games that Activision did, mm-hmm. and when I think of, when I compare those to uh, to, uh, to to Chrome Hounds, it must make other mech games kind of pale in comparison. Uh, I couldn't imagine going back to a mech Warrior game, one of the early ones, uh, after, after having seen what you can do in Chromehounds.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I, I'd really like to see that level of, of, of customization um, and physics in like any future of the, the, of the hardcore uh, MechSim games as well.
0: So tell me what happened to Chromehounds. So did you, I, I presume did you get it when it first came out? Yeah. Okay, so, so you get it. You see, okay, there's not much single-player what was it like with the multiplayer community, and how long did you stick with it?
1: uh I, I probably for a, a month or two, a couple of months, maybe we played it. And I played it pretty much exclusively with other folks from Quarter to Three. Um,
0: so, real quick, we, a shout out to like I know uh, I think El Guapo played. Yeah, uh, did Dave Long play? Who Who were the folks that you normally hung out with?
1: On uh, um, I remember we play. I played with uh, Quatoria. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, um, I think Flying J, oh, uh right, Rorschach, Yes, yes. Uh who I, if I recall was actually an excellent commander. <laughs> uh, um, uh, what McMaster. makes an excellent
0: commander, Sean? What what, what made what does uh, someone... he, he,
1: he, when he called out where our, the, the bad guys were, you knew where the bad guys were. He was always good about giving you the information you needed, it relevant to uh what you were doing. As opposed to a lot of times like, Oh, you got a guy to your left or there's a guy and <laughs> You know, like, wait, who, what? Who are you talking there's to? someone over there. Yeah, when yeah, you do I mean, that. He was of... always very good. It would be like 83, uh, 200 clicks south. You know, it's, it's like, oh, okay.
0: By the way, as you're listing some of these guys, it, I, I imagine there's a lot of overlap because I certainly know the Rorschach's uh, case with folks who also like Nuts and Bolts, the, the Banjo-Kazooie game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when, uh, what was the multiplayer community like? And I, I ask this as a sort of a loaded question because didn't it kind of go pear shaped?
1: Uh, uh, like,
0: like, didn't didn't it become very difficult to get into it? Weren't there a lot of jerks ultimately playing Chrome Hound? I think there, were,
1: yeah, there was a fair deal, a fair amount of that. I think there were some uh, Hound exploits that you saw, and the, one of the things about Chrome Hounds too is it didn't, to some degree, it didn't matter what the community was like because you always had the option to play against uh, CPU bots. So every time you launched a mission, you, you know, you, instead of waiting for. your... Uh, uh, a real people to join the game. You could just say start for a CPU. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we probably played, I want to say sixty, at least 60% of the time we played that way. And the game was just a lot of fun even that way to play against um, the AI. Uh, the, you had a, kind of these exploit uh, bots, uh, not bots, exploit builds that people would make. Um, early on, you had uh, the these spiker builds uh, on like someone would build like a, a wheel chassis with just a bunch of really high damaging uh, weapons that would just try and drive to your base and destroy your base mm. um, really quickly. So that was kind of one. And then you had uh, another build that was a, the double double is kind of an infamous build where uh, people would use like an inverted like chassis and put weapons that really probably were never meant to be on this chassis, these like these heavy weapons. With uh, lots of uh, blast radius and very high damaging, and that kind of they just kind of spread across uh, the community. So like you'd play and it'd be like, oh, everybody's running double doubles kind of thing. So kinda of, kind of dull that way. Um, Why is that game, called
0: the double double? Uh,
1: so the double double is because usually you put two of them on, and the guns themselves are a double barrel. So there's these two ah. there's these cannons with these two huge barrels, and then. You could fit two of those on in uh, an inverted leg mech, so you'd have it was the double double, right? You were running two double barrel cannon guns.
0: Well, now you you talk about these builds. Uh, was the game balance not robust enough that there were counters for them? When
1: yeah, you, that, that that was kind of the problem. It, it definitely had, you know, as people played it, they found some balancing issues. Like the first one, you could beat those people, and there, there's definitely a great sense of satisfaction when you're playing against, you know, some of the, a team that's using kind of these exploit builds, and you, and you, you beat them. Um, but the the double doubles it was just a really solid uh, build, and they kind of tried to balance it later in some patches where they, I think they increased the recoil from firing the gun. Uh, but it, it was just a tough build to fight against, and like it was a tough build to, that you you know it was, it was just a really good build because you didn't have to hit the 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 enemy, you just had to hit near them, right. and when you got hit by that. Uh, it actually would throw off your view. So if you were aiming at the other guy and you got hit, uh, the the shock would knock off your aim. Um, so it was just a, a very good build. And one of the other kind of exploits, which I fortunately didn't have too much experience with, and I, I think it's kind of gone out of favor a little bit, is uh, on some maps, if you were using the the heavy artillery um Hounds and weapons, and one of the things in this game is, is there's actually indirect fire weapons, and a lot of indirect fire weapons. Where like you know, a lot of the other games you have, you know, you only have like your lasers and your machine guns. This has a lot of artillery and missiles. And if you were using some of these uh, indirect fire gun weapons, and you really knew the map, right from the start of the map, without mu- even moving much, you could actually just aim up into the sky and start hitting the base of the other team. And uh, that's kind of a problem.
0: And there's no counter for that, right? No, uh, that's... For,
1: for that there's absolutely no counter, other than to do it yourself. Yeah. Uh, uh,
0: did you have you been playing recently? By the way,
1: uh, I I popped it in recently, just to before the podcast. Yeah.
0: So we are recording on December nineteenth. Isn't there a deadline for when they pull the plug?
1: Yeah, it's uh, next month. I think it's January sixth. They're going to be shutting down the online servers.
0: And what will this then do to anyone who has the
1: game? I, I at that point it's almost useless because you're you're stuck with just that single player game which we already discussed is essentially just a tutorial.
0: And there's no way to play like via system link?
1: Uh, no. Yeah, that that sucks. It really does. And you know, as like you would think maybe like the free for all stuff, maybe they would still let you do or uh but no, it looks like they're just cutting it off. Uh, and if, if this is one of those things, like if this was on the PC, you know, you could almost imagine there'd be some kind of hardcore little group that would go off and write their own server for right, us. Right,
0: right, right. Uh, so it was an Xbox 360 only game, of course. So there's, yep. yeah, it's, it's totally closed up in that architecture that we can't get to. Uh, what uh, when you went on uh, recently, was there anybody else online?
1: Um, yeah, I, I, I just did some quick things against the CPU because I was just okay. by myself. Yeah, but it does look like that the war is still going on. The, that the the persistent war. I saw some territories being taken over and lost while I was playing, and it looked like there's a couple thousand people still
0: playing. Uh, when now, tell me a bit about how this war worked. Were there were there two factions or three?
1: There, there's three factions, okay. um, and the 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 map split out into you know the the, the three ter- territories, and there's a bunch of sub territories uh, of the ter- of those territories. So you would pick. Of um, one of the maps on the front, and then you would pick the the zone you wanted to fight in. And as as you won or lost in that zone, the control of that zone would shift to eventually uh, you would take that zone over. And if you took over enough of the zones in the area, you would then take over that area and move the front of the game.
0: Uh, and the three sides. Was there any asymmetry amongst them? Wasn't there some unique equipment that only yeah worked?
1: there was unique equipment. So there was um, uh, there was kind of like a Russian uh, mm-hmm. se- segment. Um, and their stuff was more hard-hitting, but it tends to be very – like their parts tend to be very, very heavy, uh, a little slow on the reload, uh, but very heavy armored and, and very hard-hitting. Then you had uh, uh, another side, Terrakia. So that, that was Morskoy. Uh, then you had Tarakia, which was kind of uh, the uh, Western Europe, and they were kind of allied with America, and they were uh, kind of middle-of-the-road parts, well fairly well-balanced kind of stuff. And then Salcar, which were Middle Eastern, and their parts tended to be more high-tech, uh,
0: faster fire rate,
1: but less armored.
0: So I just want to say, Sean, I'm impressed that you could so fluidly say those names out loud. Because <laughs> even, even a game like that, I would be used to maybe reading the name, uh, but I'm not I, sure I would ever I, I, I don't them. know I said them correctly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said them with confidence, and that's more important than saying them correctly. So well done. Uh, now, what sort of economy was in the game? Uh, you think of Modern Warfare, the more you play, the more stuff you unlock. Uh, yeah. I presume here there was some sort of a, an economic aspect? Where, yeah, uh, yeah, so
1: as you played, um, as you won uh, missions, you earned money. Uh, I think you were kind of a mercenary group allied with that country because you could actually switch sides if you wanted to. And um, you earned money, and then you would use that money to buy parts. And they actually had like an auction system where there would be experimental oh, yeah. parts that would only be that you could only get through auction. So you had to like bid and hope that you won the auction. So, uh,
0: so how does it work that you could switch sides? Then that seems like everybody would just sort of jump over to the winning side to make more money. I, what? What?
1: I, I think you were limited to doing it once per war. Okay,
0: and then the war would end. Like there, yeah. there would be a winner declared after a certain amount of time, right? Uh
1: Well, it wasn't even. I don't even think it was a certain amount of time. It was a you know, winner would be declared once one team conquered all the territories. Every t- every territory had a capital, mm-hmm. every side had a capital. So when you conquered the enemy's capital, you conquered them and, and acquired all their territories.
0: And uh, would one would it start out three teams, then one gets beaten, and then it's the two head to head, and one of those wins. Like Pretty so? much, yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: and and when you're on the losing team, like the, the team that loses early, you can uh, still fight kind of guerrilla missions only in your capital, but it is actually possible to retake your capital and come back from defeat
0: potentially. Uh, what determines what the goals are during a mission?
1: Uh, well they're always the same in the, in the, in the multiplayer game. It's either destroy all the enemy, uh, mechs or to destroy their base.
0: And does where you're fighting determine what map you're playing on? Were they randomly yeah. generated? Okay.
1: No, it depends. Yeah, the, the, the location controls
0: the map. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you, when you were playing, would you uh, use a lot of the experimental weapons and stuff? Uh, tell, me, tell me what it's like spending your money in Chrome Hounds. Uh,
1: yeah, I don't really know if I had a lot of, ex- of the experimental stuff. Um, I, fa- I definitely favored cannons um, for, for weapons. Um, I also liked the rocket pods, which weren't that uh, popular with a lot of other people. Um, they would kind of spray out a bunch of rockets, and you could use them as indirect fire or direct fire, depending how close the the enemy was. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also kind of favored uh, treads or uh, the inverted leg chassis.
0: So, what's the advantage of what are the comparative advantages of treads, inverted leg chassis, or wheels? Uh,
1: so, wheels are really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're they might be the fastest or the second fastest. There's a hover chassis as well. Oh right, uh, right. Which is which is really fast too, uh, but but when you're using something like that, you don't have quite the you know you, 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 because there is some physics to the game, right? You kind of are bound to the turning radius um, when you're moving, as opposed to when you're using a, a leg chassis, or a bit more um, you can turn a bit faster, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also other things too, where like they would have, like slopes would affect like you know the bipeds were least affected, I think, by slopes. So going up a slope. Uh, affected your speed the least as opposed to you know maybe i think a, a tread mech where you know you'd be slowed down a bit more going up um, going up a slope but there was also you know they also were capable of carrying different weight so that would definitely come into play where you know a treads could carry more weight than you know a bipedal mech could carry or then like a whale mech but and then you had even like a quad like
0: mech who could carry the most weight now, was there a, was there a money sink while you were playing? Would you just build the? I, I guess there were repair costs, or yeah. There, so
1: there were repair costs, but uh, you also paid for ammo. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and tell me about the customization. So you could paint all kinds of like crazy color schemes. Uh, uh, like you could pretty much do anything you wanted visually with your with your. Yep. They're not called mechs. They're called hounds, right? They're hounds. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I've been just in calling them mechs because that's you know I think everybody knows
0: that. When people play, do they call them hounds, or it just seems like it would be impossible to get away from calling them mechs? I, I, I think a bit of both. Uh, do you ever play a game called uh, – oh, rats. What are those? It's a it's a Japanese RPG series. Oh, Front Mission. Front Mission, yeah. Do you know what those are called? Uh, no, I do not. Aren't those called Wanzers? Yes, I think you're right, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so hounds – in, in when, when you think about it, hounds could have been worse. They could have yeah. been called Wanzers. So. Uh.
1: <laughs> or was that still a battalion that was Wanzers?
0: No steel battalion, I don't think was Wanders, because the steel battalion, I'm pretty sure it was front mission where the, where there were wanders yeah. uh, I did want to talk about steel battalion though, but before we so uh, you've got the uh, when you would play multiplayer, would it matter much if you were winning or losing in terms of on the 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 the, the overall war thing? Uh, like, I, did that did you care whether or not your side was winning or losing? Did that make much difference to you?
1: Uh, you know, I, I really, to, to some degree, and 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 that, to some degree it was so that you had newer maps to play on. If you were losing, and you were losing badly, then you ended up just kind of like in the city map, and like your only option then was you playing cap- the war, the capital. Right. Uh, so you were just like, alright, you get a little bored of that. So the, the better you were doing, the kind of the more choice of maps you had to play on.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and when, the uh, did you did you end up losing or winning a lot of uh, wars? How, how did you fare? I
1: think uh, we did okay. I I, I really can't remember how, what it really broke down to because I, I didn't follow it too closely. I wasn't really into that, but I uh, I do I, I was definitely on the winning side a few times.
0: I just I remember talking to Corey uh, uh, Cooperman who posts as Ephraim about uh, Dark Age of Camelot and that had uh, realm versus realm thing. And there was mm-hmm. a strong sense of identification in that game with the realm that you are on. But I'm guessing that Chromehounds didn't really foster that because you were a mercenary group and you could jump around to different uh, factions. It seems yeah, like it there was not re- a strong identification with your side.
1: Yeah, it was really more about like, your squad and the people you were playing with. Uh,
0: uh, did you, could you tell? So you could set up a game against CPUs, against a mm-hmm. sort of enemy bots, or you could jump into a game against other human players. I presume when you're playing, that makes a big difference, because I, I imagine that other human players, you talk about the exploit builds, uh, yep. the importance of the communications. Uh, do, did you have a vivid sense, when you think back to the times you played, uh, did it feel dramatically different when you're playing against humans versus AI bots?
1: Uh, yeah, it definitely felt different, because you would definitely have to take things into consideration. Like, you would have to... Uh, play a bit more defensively. You'd have to you'd have to have somebody looking out for that guy with like just a wheeled mech who might try and sneak in behind your base and destroy it really quick. Um, you paid more attention to you know capturing the communication towers mm-hmm. and, um, and 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 th- certain uh, I think certain strategies or, or uh, tactics uh, weren't really used by the bots. Would only be used by players. So. Like something like that, like a build that's not really an exploit build would be um using uh, a more with smoke uh smoke ah. grenades basically, and like the a i would almost never do that, but you would run into people where they would use the smoke grenades they'd have thermographics equipped so they could still essentially see you, and that was something we started to run into at one point that you know the a i just wouldn't do right right, so you had to be kind of prepared for the you know
0: people are more random to
1: surprise you right.
0: Do you recall certain uh, gaming episodes or sessions with some of the people?
1: Uh, I do. I, I got one. Uh, I recall one pretty vividly, and I think it was uh, with Quatoria and McMaster, I want to say. And I don't remember if there, who else was was out uh, in the match with us. But um, it was uh, one of the first times we played on a map, and it was a map with these huge fuel tanks. This is kind of a funny story. And... Uh, McMaster, he was either ahead of us or gotten behind us, and he was walking near the fuel tanks. And I remember Quatoria kind of being like, "I wonder what would happen if I shoot those
0: fuel tanks." <laughs> and uh, did and you can imagine what happened? <laughs> and was that the end of McMaster's it, account? It was. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> nice move. Uh, the funny thing is, you can I can totally imagine the guys at from software knowing that that was going to happen, uh, <laughs> thinking, yeah. you know, we'll put fuel tanks in here and. We know they're in here, so people are going to shoot them, and we,
1: <laughs> and we would use that as a strategy. Like after we learned that, if we were playing on that map, we would try and you know wait to see if the bad guys would go through there and then shoot the fuel tanks. But I remember the first time we discovered that it was friendly fire.
0: Right, right, <laughs> nice. Uh, now when uh, when what. I guess it was probably another game came along that got you to stop playing. Like, did you burn out on Chrome Hounds, or did you just get distracted by something else? Was there ever a point where you're like, I'm sick of playing this?
1: I think I, I think I got distracted by something else, but I don't really recall what it was. Right. Maybe Gears of War maybe came out. Maybe. So, did you have time. a
0: background in mech games before this? Was this one of your early mech games? You Obviously, I guess it sounds like you knew the Mech Warrior games. Uh-huh. Uh, I've,
1: pl- I, I've played a fair bit of them. Um, Kind of a random assortment, you know. I played like the Earth Siege games, uh, the Heavy Gear games.
0: Uh, Do you? Did you? And so you you brought up earlier Steel, but is it Steel Battalion or Steel Battalions? I forget if it's multiple. Uh,
1: I'm not sure. I did not play that. I wanted to very
0: badly, but I never did. That really was a game. I mean, it's okay that you didn't play it, but that sure did. Like any guy, like you or me who saw that big console that came with the game. I mean, that just that, that looked like this paradise for, for mech gamers. Yeah. Just so you know, it wasn't that great a game. and it had, like If there's if there's one group that can screw up a game more than Sega, it's Capcom. Uh, <laughs> so Steel Battalion was a huge missed opportunity. Uh, so I don't think you missed much, except the closet space it would have taken to store that big old $200 console. It did uh, look awesome, though. <laughs> so, yeah. And it, you know what? It was a great gimmick to sit somebody in front of it and say, look at this awesome thing and point to them what buttons to press to do different things. But uh, ultimately, I would rather have a game like Chrome Hounds where the emphasis is on uh, gameplay and the the sim aspects than this. Yeah, and and they
1: really do get the controls. I mean, it's kind of got essentially a first-person shooter control scheme, but it still really feels radically different than controlling, uh, you know, than a standard first-person shooter from the gameplay side. And they don't even use all the face buttons on, on the thing. So they kind of cram all that stuff in there. And they, I think they do a pretty good job of simplifying it.
0: And it's third person, right? Like you always got to see your mech, didn't you?
1: It's third person. Um, it's kind of weird. It's, it, so, yeah, it is third person. Uh, but your crosshair is in like a little camera in the top right. Or you can zoom in and then play it from first person from that gun camera's point of view. Okay. But that gun could, if, if that gun got destroyed, you lose that gun camera.
0: Well, I I ask because I think that's a a vital component. Like, if you build a mech and if you put a paint job on it, you know, you want to be able to see it. I think it's yeah. a vital game design decision to let the player look at what he's made while it's in action. Uh, and then, that's right, they did have the the gun camera so you could circumvent that. Like, it wasn't like Gears of War where you're always staring at the dude. Uh, yeah. But they want you to be able to admire your hound, which which makes perfect sense, I think. Uh do you do you play much mecha games? And do you, uh, like do you know the difference between mecha games and mecha? And I ask because I've only kind of recently figured this out.
1: Uh, you know, I was kind of thinking about that. I'm not sure. I'd be interested to see what you thought the difference was. Uh, probably not too much of the the mecha games. I don't think so. I, I think you're thinking like Armored Core, right? Exactly right.
0: There's yeah. this whole school of thought about or Zoe Zone Avengers. Oh, <laughs> yeah. i never thought of that as Zoe. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, But the the idea for those seems to be almost this, uh, like it almost downplays the whole robot aspect. Like what's cool to me about mech games is their size and their weight and how they are kind of like construction machinery. Uh, And mecha games don't really seem to care much about that. They just completely anthropomorphize the, I don't know if I said that word correctly, but they just completely uh, make it like a super fast human being who just happens to be in a suit. Uh. Yeah.
1: yeah, one thing I think with the mech games, they're almost like, kind of like, you know, in some ways, like space sims are almost like, you know, taking World War II flight sims and putting them in space, where it's less about, it's more about the dogfighting and the close-range fighting, and it's not, for a high-tech game, it's very kind of low-tech mm-hmm. in some ways, and I think mech games are kind of like doing that with tank warfare to some degree, right? It's like It's like, oh, it's really fancy, and, you know, they're big walking robots, but it's really almost kind of like a tank sim to some degree.
0: Right. And and a a lot of what they do is they put between the player and the action a layer of, uh, I guess what I call systems. There's a sense that, okay, I'm here at one end of the action, then there's stuff blowing up somewhere further on into the game, and in between me and that stuff blowing up is this elaborate machinery that involves an interface, that involves a loadout, that involves ammo, that in some cases involves heat sinks. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, and it's, it's, a, it's a thick layer of, of rules uh, and systems. Uh, and a, a guy like me who comes from flight sims loves that kind of thing. Uh, whereas I think a lot of people who are maybe into, I'm going to generalize here, but who are maybe just into anime and the power fantasy of it, they don't necessarily want all those systems. They just want to see the cool robots doing stuff. And I think that's part of the appeal of mecha games. Whereas yeah. guys like us who are maybe a dying breed, we want to see how difficult and complicated it is to to operate a giant robot. We we kind of like those limitations, I, I think. Uh ha, have you seen Avatar yet? Uh yes. Uh what did you uh have you seen District Nine? Yes. So you're 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 sort of hip to the modern portrayal of mechs. Uh like like doesn't that tickle the chrome hounds fan in you <laughs> to to see those movies? Yeah,
1: it, it it definitely does. There, it's nice to start to see that stuff appearing more uh, in, in the mainstream kind of.
0: Because before then, we just had, I mean, aliens sort of played with it with the loader yeah. battle. But, uh, yeah, there's this sense that, you know, science fiction movies are really grokking this idea of these, these kind of mechs. Uh, uh, and, and it's the same kind of thing with those. I mean, with, with both Di- District 9 and Avatar, there's this sense of the control layer. Uh, Avatar sort of streamlines it with that whole goofy. Uh, yeah, I definitely thought that was goofy. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I I really liked it in, in District Nine. The sense of uh, like how he started off ungainly and he couldn't quite figure out the controls and how it stumbled and how as it took damage it kind of fell over. Like it didn't necessarily seem like this fluid power fantasy so much as using heavy machinery. Yeah. Uh, although, uh, how did you feel about him being able to snatch a, a missile out of the air?
1: <laughs> uh, I, I did think it was really cool, actually.
0: You know what? It was cool, but but I, is the the mech player in me is going, no, that's unrealistic. You, you can't do that in a mech. <laughs> uh, so there there are some tentative plans, I believe, to uh, give Chromehounds a final run for its money before it shut down. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I'd like to to, to see some people get playing it before then. I know actually, it's funny uh, even just today, El Guapo was posting trying to get some people to play today. So.
0: So uh there, Today being Saturday. Uh oh right right. So by the time this airs then hopefully yeah. you guys will have gotten in several days of, of enjoyable playing. Uh is there any advancement like persistent advancement? Do you level up or anything? Uh there
1: is there is and uh I don't recall it doing much within the game actually. I, like you did go up ranks.
0: And was that just for a badge or for the level name? You didn't unlock anything new, did you? Like you uh, had this was a game where you had all the content. I mean, assume once you could buy it. At, at your fingertips like you didn't have to be a certain level to get a certain toy right
1: you, you know it might have unlocked um uh, the amount of slots you had for auctions ah okay maybe I, I could be wrong on that but i think that it might have had something to do with that but um but other than that no i don't think it really did anything because everything else was you, you just bought it
0: could could one player uh and i might be using the term incorrectly uh, I'm trying to pretend that I know what I'm talking about with MMOs, but could one player twink another player and just give him a bunch of money?
1: I don't. I, I don't really remember that. Okay. Okay. Uh, I do know what you mean, though, but I, I don't recall if it was possible. Right. Right.
0: Uh, well, good. I hope you guys get some time in with it. Uh, and, and just talking about it, I get so tempted to to jump in now. Uh, that. So uh, do you have, have do you have mechs? built like you must have all your builds still yeah uh uh, what is your favorite build uh
1: you know i'm kind of looking at a lot of my old builds with some of the stuff i've learned since then and i'm like man these are terrible so (laughs) so i've kind of been rebuilding some stuff um i i have a a cannon hound with um three cannons that i kind of like um
0: now, what, you mentioned cannons before as your favorite weapon. What what's the what distinguishes cannons from? Because I, if I recall, there were light machine guns. Uh, there, yeah, there so was, there's
1: a whole ton of weapons. So you have uh, you have your machine guns, which are pretty self-explanatory. Uh, you have assault rifles. Uh, you have sniper rifles. Then you have the the cannon class, which are much higher damaging, uh, but they have a lot more kickback. Uh, so they actually will throw off your view. You have rockets. Which are which are actually pretty good. They don't actually they don't have any recoil. You have rocket pods, um, you have howitzers and mortars, which are indirect fire weapons. So there's a whole slew uh, of, of weapons to choose from. And then you get the heavy weapons, and there's actually even some homing weapons in the heavy weapon class.
0: So I've noticed you haven't mentioned <clears throat> any like a flamethrowers or energy weapons.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it, it, it's uh, Chrome is kind of really weird in that, it, despite having these giant robots, it's really kind of sort of low tech, right? And, you know, getting back to the no IFF, uh, the fr- no front of foe stuff. And even on the gun side, there's, there's no lasers, there's no PPCs, there's nothing that's not con- in conventional use today, really.
0: And, I, you know, I have to say, Sean, that, that makes me think, that, that seems to me another bold decision on their part. I think that's awesome. That's very cool. Again, it's sort of the limitations of something like this, rather yep. than throwing in all these fancy energy weapons that can instantly, like, blast or zap someone. Uh, but I have to wonder, did that hurt its appeal? Like, would, would more people have enjoyed this game if it had colorful laser bolts? I don't know the answer to that, but I, I just you have to admire the fact that they yeah. stuck to that low-tech conceit. I
1: think probably the thing that hurts the appeal the most is probably the pace of the game, because... Ah. Because they're very you know the, the, they're very slow in movement for the most part like even the fast ones are kind of slow and the games much is very deliberate right even like when you're having the combat, there's a lot of kind of you know if you're near a hill you kind of want to poke out over the hill and you know take your shots and then back down to try and get out of you know, their, their view and it's almost like a like a slow dance right and but you can play the game sometimes for like you know five minutes before you even see an enemy um in a 15 minute match right so and it's also one of those like when you die you're out right like when your mech explodes you don't oh. respawn um kind of going back to like like that kind of, kind of counter strike kind of play except much slower paced so i think that probably hurts the game um from seals more than the lack of you know the 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 lasers and things like that
0: gosh yes, you got to admire that though i mean just to to play the stakes that way where when you die you're out and, you know, you must be on pins and needles during the early, early part of the game trying to figure out where the other players are. Uh, those are. Those are admirable decisions, I think.
1: Yeah, I think it makes for a great game. Uh, maybe it doesn't make for a great selling game, but it, it does make for something that's a lot of fun to play.
0: Uh, people who don't want to build mechs, were there, were there pre-made mechs, hounds? Were there pre-made builds? Uh, would you have to go in and, and tinker around with the build stuff?
1: I think there are pre made builds. Um, pretty much anything from your single player from the tutorials I think you could use online. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh and do you know offhand, is it easy to find a copy of Chrome Hounds? Oh, that I have no idea. <laughs> you have to wonder too, with its uh with a sort of a a built in death date. Like is that something that uh people can still find? I don't I don't know the answer to that. Uh,
1: yeah. Probably in a, a month they'll be all over eBay.
0: Yeah. Oh God. Oh, poor Chrome Hounds. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Sean, I don't know if you know this. I'm going to ask you a completely random question that has nothing to do with anything we've talked about. Okay. Uh, how do you get the lid off a stuck spaghetti sauce jar?
1: Um, what I would do is uh, I turn some hot water on and I uh, would heat up the lid with the hot Here, water
0: for a bit. Okay, so okay, Mr. Smart Guy. What are the physics that causes that to work?
1: <laughs> uh, oh, I think uh, metal expands um, at a lower
0: temperature than glass. Are you making that up or is that true? Because that sounds um, I'm, good.
1: I'm going to go with that sounds
0: good. <laughs> <laughs> I have some friends of mine and we uh, it's actually one of the guys I do a movie podcast with and We've talked about wanting to do a podcast on uh, bad physics or bad science where somebody presents a, a physics situation and then we all, knowing nothing about it, and we qualify for that, argue about why it doesn't or doesn't work and what the principle is behind it uh, basically out of just making up stuff to see who, who is accidentally correct. Uh, so that that's a good candidate for it and I, I think you might be right. What about the thing where you like bang on one side of the lid to – bang a little dent in it. Have you ever done that one? Uh, no, I have not. So that's the idea that if it, it's, it can't be perfectly, like if it's perfectly round, it's stuck. It's perfect roundness is stuck. So if you bang one side of the lid, uh, maybe the two opposite sides, it'll mess up the perfect roundness and therefore unstick part of it and make it easier to get I don't know if that works or not, but I've, uh, that's another one I've tried. Uh, i sorry to throw such a lame rant. <laughs> uh, so if uh, so you are now eligible to win a copy of Solium Infernum, uh, which has been donated by the developer Vic Davis. Uh, are you? You're a strategy game guy, right? Like you have a PC background. Yeah, yeah, a, a bit. Okay. Uh, have, so have have you played Solium Infernum? Because you know there have been 800 threads about it. I, I've seen that. I have not played it. <laughs> uh, so if you want to uh, enter the drawing with Sean for a copy of Solium Infernum, post in the thread about getting the spaghetti sauce jar unstuck and your post must begin with the letter L. That's Lima. Uh, uh, so as long as you post something that begins with the letter L, you are eligible to, uh, you go into the drawing to win a copy of Solium Infernum. Uh, next week, oh, by the way, uh, Sean, did you know what the song was that I started with? Um, did you know the the tie-in? You may not hear it. Let me, let me just play no, it. No, I, I, I don't think I did. Okay, wait, hold on. Hey hey mom said the way you move gonna make you sweat gonna make you groove Do you know what that was
1: Uh it sounds like
0: Zeppelin Yeah and do you know why that would be played before Chromehounds <laughs> This is uh, the this it, is the quiz for you It's kind of obscure
1: That 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 I do not
0: so the song is called Black Dog. <laughs> so that was I was thinking. Oh, okay. okay, what's this? What's a song that has the word dog or hound or?
1: I, you know, I, I was a little disappointed you didn't open with the uh, horrible music from Chrome Hounds that plays nonstop when you're uh, in the the game.
0: Oh no, does it now? Surely you can go somewhere and turn that music off, right? Uh,
1: well, you can just use the the Xbox music player. Is what I usually do.
0: Oh, and that overrides the horrible soundtrack. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, Well it, it doesn't play during the missions. It only plays when you're in the lobby or building your hound. But you spend a lot of time building your hound, right? So it's like, oh.
0: That's something that I hate in certain JRPGs, or, or maybe it's a Japanese design. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to generalize too much. But these games that have this like horrible, wretched music that you can't turn off or turn down, uh, <laughs> that's too yeah. bad. And that's actually huge, Sean, because like you said, you're spending a lot of time – in that interface, and you want to think about stuff and examine the stats of different weapons, and if they don't let you turn off that music, that's a terrible thing to do to their players. <laughs> so, All right, well, Sean, thank you very much. Next week we will have uh, Jay Pinard talking about The Sims 3. Are you a Sims player? Uh, no. Because that's like playing with dolls, right? You're, you're above that. <laughs>
1: I just play with, you know, robots.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. As long as they're not too anthropomorphized, that's okay. <laughs> so join us next week for that. Sean, thanks very much for hanging out with me. And uh, I'm so tempted to join you guys in Chrome Hounds now. So <laughs> oh, you should. <laughs> All right. Thank you. And uh, we'll see everyone back here uh, next hey, week. Hey, hey, Mom, I said the way you move